Welcome to the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Oddballs, welcome to the Odd and Offbeat Podcast, hosted by myself, Mr. Matthew Baker, and the toiler, Louis Fox. That's right. I make clothes for toys. I'm a toiler. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's a stretch, that, <laughs> trying to connect those two. It means, a you're a wor- means you're a worker. Oh, I'm working at making clothes for toys. Yes, there you go. Well, because you have not listened. your first time you've left your house in the last four days because we are in the apocalyptic s- smoke zone. <laughs> yes. It's funny, though. The last two times I left my house, so today and four days ago, one was to set up an animal pen in Bellingham uh-huh. for a sloth, uh-huh. and then podcasting with you. Naturally. And did you find that job on Craigslist, or <laughs> was this something? It was, it was, it was was a meetup. <laughs> okay, wear a hat that's blue with no signage on it. Yeah. And approach the building from the right-hand side. Exactly. <laughs> and click your click your tongue twice. <laughs> the code word is blah. You've actually hung out with the sloth before though. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's our friend uh, Carla who's been on the show before. Her sloth, she's set up a drive-through zoo. Uh, in, in Linden, Washington. Mm-hmm. So I helped her set it up, and I had to hang out with an emu. It was a good time. How is it hanging out with an emu? Out of all the animals that you hung out with, there was an emu, an owl, a sloth, a spider monkey, mm-hmm. and a parrot, I believe. And some parrots. There was a wallaby. Oh, a wallaby. What is the coolest animal to, like, would you want to have a beer with? Probably the emu, because he looks like he's ready to start some crap. Yeah, right? He, emu, yeah, he probably would have. And I've hung out with that emu, too. And it is, it's like, that emu's, like, a little rough. He looks rough. He's super sweet. Mm. But, yeah, no, that's the guy you want, like, sitting next to you at the bar when crap goes down. <laughs> I don't know if it's still around. In, I think, Mount Vernon, Washington, there's a place called Kangaroos and Christmas Trees. Oh, wow. And it's, like, five bucks, and you get to feed kangaroos and... Um, feed Christmas trees? You get to feed Christmas get to water trees. them just a little bit. <laughs> but, like, you get to hold a bait, like a baby kangaroo. Oh, that's cool. But they have emus and ostriches, and you can feed the emus... But then the guy takes you over the ostrich, and the ostrich looks over the fence, and he's like, you guys can't feed them. They're mean. And the whole time, the ostrich is just, like, pecking oh, yeah. the guy in oh, the yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> I've hung out with ostriches before. I've ridden an ostrich, and I've fed ostriches before. And you're right. They are, like, constantly trying to peck at you. Yeah. And they're brutal. But um, that particular sloth is super, super sweet and super amazing. So if you have a chance to go up to Linden, Washington in the last... What next? Ten, what is? Couple it? days. Yeah, I think it's closing soon. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> it's closed by the time you're hearing this. But if you check out Pacific Animal Productions, just throw that in the Google. They do a painting party with the sloth. Oh, that's awesome. Pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. What, what does a painting party with a sloth entail? So the <laughs> you get your paints, you go on the Zoom, and, and you paint the sloth. You paint the sloth, the or sloth, does the sloth paint you? The sloth paints you. It's I like, would rather have the that. sloth is like. Paint me like one of your French girls. And the sloth is like, okay, this is going to take me three years. <laughs> Just to do your outline. <laughs> Don't even get me in coloring it in. <laughs> so you were out dodging wildfires. Yeah, shitty time to, to choose <laughs> vacation for Erica. You know, she took the week off and then we were like, okay, we're going to go down to Crater Lake. We're going to, you know, go hiking about St. Helens and, you know, camp out in the van. And the moment we got down to the Oregon coast, it was just like 
death smoke. <laughs> and at first it was like you this it wasn't smoky, I could smell it. Mm-hmm. And there was like these high winds in the first night and I was like, "Man, this is crazy. Like I've never seen it this windy on the Oregon coast yeah. before." And then the next day, we wake up, and it's like you can't see five feet in front of your face. That's good times. And then we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll go south (laughs) and escape it. And then we just went. We're going to the heart of the beast, right? Yeah. It got worse and worse and worse. It's like in The Walking Dead. You're like, don't go near Negan's place. Yeah, pretty much. And then, like, you know, we get the app out. We're trying to – the air quality index. Like, everything around us is just on fire. Are you now an expert on the air quality index numbers? Uh, My lungs are. (laughs) I essentially can walk outside, and if I cough, it's – it's like, uh, okay, this is not good. You're still coughing out smoke. <clears throat> Pretty much. And yeah, so the vacation got cut short because we couldn't go anywhere on the Oregon coast. <laughs> we ended up coming back up north and trying to find coastal land that was not tainted with smoke air. Mm-hmm. And there, it didn't exist in the Did you take up like cigarette smoking to get some fresh air in your lungs? It would be a good time to quit smoking, <laughs> honestly, because it's like get rid of the habit of doing this, the cigarette, but you still have the smoke in your lungs, which is yeah. nice. Yeah. And that's why I said toiler, because you haven't left your house in three days because the smoke has been so bad here in Seattle and you've been busy the whole time. Yeah. I've, I've been, been sleeping. <laughs> you've been busy. I've been working on projects, getting stuff done. Yeah, it's good. That's good. That's why you're a toiler, Louie. That's why you're a toiler. And you can find the, the clothes that Louis Fox makes for toys online at creepydude.com. <laughs> creepydude.toiler.com. All right, Louie, let's get to some stories. some weird news. This story comes from realitytvworld.com. That's a news source more reliable than my daughter eating an omelet made from snake eggs. You don't think that'd be good? It'd be really small, wouldn't it? (laughs) I just ate a 17 egg omelet. Python eggs are pretty big though, aren't they? I don't know. So this has to do with the python, Louis. It says 62 year old python lays eggs 15 years after last encounter with a male. That's crazy. So she's only had female zookeepers this whole time. No dudes in there at all. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> it's a very. I see what you did there, Louis. It's a very sexist, <laughs> sexist way of looking at it. All right. So officials at the St. Louis Zoo are attempting to solve a motherhood mystery after a 62-year-old ball python laid eggs despite not having contact with a male python. For more than 15 years. Little do they know, when they go back and check the security camera, she's been sneaking out at night, going over to the cobra cage, because she (laughs) likes a bad boy. (laughs) Yeah, she's been sneaking out at night, being promiscuous. (laughs) That's what snakes do. Either that, or it's that python night janitor. (laughs) We should not hire them to mop. (laughs) So, it's funny, I read in a separate article, which is not in this one, which is some key information. So apparently the zoo, when they clean the snake cages, they take all the snakes out, like throw them in a bucket and put a lid on it, clean the cages and put them oh, back. Oh, so all the snakes are together. Yeah. I don't think that's totally true. That's They wouldn't put other snakes that don't live in the same cage or tank. They, yeah, in a separate article, that's what I read. Ah, that's... they yeah, were. That's but, but I think they put not like a python and a python together, but like a python and something else the python wouldn't fight And with. a cobra. Yeah. They'd put those in the same bucket. 
Yeah. No, no, they, why would they do that? That did is you not see, smart. Did you see Indiana Jones when he falls in that hole with all the snakes? They're all kicking it. Okay, that's true. And I base all of my life knowledge <laughs> off of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Do you look at the, when they open the ark, do you look into it? Yes, I do. <laughs> and your, your I did. Face melts off. <laughs> all right. So first of all, we get sent and see so many stories about animals sneaking out of where they're supposed to be. Yeah. And out in sort of regular cities or in hot tubs. Well, we had the cat that snuck out. Well, I mean, every story we get sent. I mean, there's a million stories on these sites that we go through that is <laughs> all... sites we... RealityTVWorld.com <laughs> is on our list. Well, a lot of the weird stories are animals that have escaped yes. and are in an unfamiliar surroundings, yeah. right? And so what I'm thinking is maybe this, maybe they, this is a regular thing for animals. And when they're out, they're just, they're either working, they're working animals, <laughs> working the streets. <laughs> the, the, the meals going out and plowing the farm. They're, they're trying to get, get some action because the zoo's not hooking them up. Yeah, that's true. I mean, why is this, why is this python not had interactions with the male for 15 years yeah come the, on the st louis Jeez, zoo it's not a cat lady it's the mormon parents of the, the animal yeah world. like can't we hook these animals up they're in captivity why can't we make their life awesome where's their conjugal visits on the regs yeah a little little snake disco yeah that's what i'm saying all right the zoo said keepers were shocked when the snake the oldest of her species to ever reside at the zoo, laid eggs during the summer. I would imagine there's a lot more shocking things that can happen at the zoo than a snake laying eggs. Well, I mean, I mean, putting this mystery together is quite big. I mean, the, the snake is extremely old, which I'm very worried about her raising her children. Yeah, they're going to be motherless. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> who's the next kid who's going to take care of her kids when she's gone? Who are these zookeepers that didn't know she had 15 eggs inside her <laughs> Herpetologists said reptiles have been known to reproduce asexually through a process known as faculative parthenogenesis. A.K.A. the plot of Jurassic Parks 1, 2, and Jurassic World. And female snakes have also been known to store sperm from a sexual encounter for delayed fertilization. Also known as every frat guy's nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) That is kind of crazy to store sperm. Like, this is John's, this is Ryan's, this is Brad's. I'm thinking about selling those. (laughs) That's crazy. That's super fascinating. I didn't know that, but apparently this faculative parthenogenesis uh, happens a lot. Birds, reptiles, sharks all do it. So without genetic testing, zoo staff won't know if this ball python reproduced sexually or asexually but they intend to find out, the zoo said. <laughs> I like how they're like, hey, new guy, come here. We got to cheek swab this python. <laughs> it's my first day. And I'm just a janitor. <laughs> Officials said keepers are caring for the eggs and samples will be sent for genetic testing to determine their origins. I think the messed up thing is this 62-year-old python just shot out a bunch of eggs and then they take them. Like, leave a couple for the python to guard. Yeah, I think maybe, I think what they're saying is after the pythons are born. No, I, they took that. I think they incubate them to give them like oh. the ideal conditions to grow in. Like, it opens up and it's a wallaby. <laughs> and you're like, it's a wallaby with a really long tail. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wallaby with fangs. Mark Wanner, manager of herpetology at the zoo, said pythons' eggs also were surprising 
because of the python's advanced age. He said the snake might be the oldest ball python known to have laid eggs. You know, it, it's because all the hormones in the milk they're giving the kid Possibly. Pythons. Who knows? I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, that's uh, it's an old python. There's a lot of things that are happening here. It's an old python having a baby. Mm-hmm. Hasn't had sex in 15 years. Yep, that we know of. That Yeah, that we're aware of. I mean, maybe there's older pythons out there. Yep. In the wild? They're having eggs re- on the regular. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> she was like, my great-grandma was 75 when, when she, she had, had my me. mom. <laughs> my mom was 69 when she had me. It runs in our family. We have my, a long line of having babies later in life. When I was born, my father had been dead for 17 years. <laughs> my husband's been dead for 47 years, but I have his sperm banked in my system. <laughs> yeah. Just right in the right under my left big fang, I keep it. That's where, that's where we keep it. <laughs> I, call, I call this side of my mouth... The Ark. <laughs> this side's Brad. <laughs> this side's Carl. In case my species is, begins to go extinct, I have, a, <laughs> I have I carry the sperm of so many in the back of my throat. It's like the World Seed Bank. <laughs> <laughs> Where they keep it at like a constant temperature. Yeah. I guess that's good because they're cold-blooded. Absolutely. So what do you think about this, Louis? I think it's awesome. I think that people underrate Mother Nature for like the, the crafty stuff that goes down. I agree. I think more people should do this. <laughs> Maybe not people. <laughs> Last thing I need is another kid at my age. All right. We will put a link to this on our site if you want to find out more information and see a picture of our 62-year-old python. Yeah. Guarding her, her eggs. Yeah. Absolutely. story part two so this story is it's less weird and just more kind of cool and it comes from npr.org that's a news source more reliable than making life choices based on a fortune cookie no you don't want to do that no no, no. mine said give up <laughs> and, <laughs> you've and that was at the beginning of march you, you lived a good life man <laughs> it's been a good run you've lived longer than anyone <laughs> expected you to <laughs> i've outlived my life expectancy <laughs> So this story goes, stranded mariners rescued from island in Micronesia thanks to SOS etched in sand. I like how it's like etched, like they've got a chisel and they're... (laughs) Yeah, and um, to me, it's like I would always think if I was stranded on an island, I would write help and not SOS. SOS is the like international version. Oh. Help is English. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. I, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Generally, and, I think if you, there's a small island and there's anything that's etched giant in the sand, I'm going to assume maybe that people want some help. While you're conducting a search for missing people? <laughs> what? And then they get there and they're like, oh, no, no. I was just saying that my uncle was the son of Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying I was sick of son. <laughs> Three stranded mariners were rescued from a remote island in Micronesia on Monday after search crews spotted their SOS message written in the sand. The three-person crew of a skiff had not been heard from since July 29th and were reported missing on July 31st. The mariners were reportedly sailing a 23-nautical-mile journey from Puluat to Pulap Atoll in the Federated States of Micronesia in the Western Pacific when they sailed off course and ran out of fuel. I like how they have to geographically like keep parsing this down. 
I'm going to start with people who go like, hey, where do you live? I'll be like, yeah, I live in uh, the United States of America, in Washington State, in King County, in Des Moines, in the Midway neighborhood. Yes, that's actually pretty accurate. Like, <laughs> I know exactly where that is, as opposed to I live in Washington. <laughs> I, I like that better. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> it's, it's like the scene in the movie that just keeps tightening in on the map. <laughs> Australian and U.S. military aircrafts located the castaways on the beach of Pekalot Island on August 1st according to the U.S. Coast Guard. So they were only missing maybe four days. Yeah. It was pretty quick turnaround. We were toward the end of our search pattern. We turned to avoid some rain showers, and that's when we looked down and saw an island. So we decided to check it out, and that's when we saw SOS and a boat right next to it on the beach, said L- Lieutenant Colonel Jason Palomera Yen, an Air Force pilot. So if you look at the picture... They have quite the shanty built. Yeah, they did a pretty good job of building a shelter. It's nicer than my first and second apartments. <laughs> SOS is internationally recognized as a call for help, and responders moved quickly to answer it. I would love for, like, they didn't have enough energy to do the final S. It just says so, and they're like, well, maybe do they really need help? Yeah, or it's OS. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, man, they're really into Mac operating systems. <laughs> Palmera Yen said he called in. Is that some of that guerrilla marketing everyone's talking about? (laughs) Is that Andre the Giant down there's face? Palmera Yen said he called in the crew. Just trying to make a giant emoji. (laughs) I think that's a Banksy exhibit. (laughs) Palmera Yen said he called in the crew of Royal Australian Navy ship HMAS Canberra because they had two nearby helicopters that could land on the island. It's amazing how many different people. Like it's amazing to me who picks them up it's like the u.s coast guard saw them yeah then they called the air australian <laughs> people to go in yeah but they're all in micronesia yeah it's like, what the hell are both of those people doing in the same place yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't know i like how growing up a helicopter could land on anything yeah and apparently they can't land on sand now Yeah, right the responding agencies decided to limit exposure to one another and the mariners due to covid 19, the Coast Guard said. I think these guys have quarantined long enough yeah. on this deserted island. <laughs> they re- they got rescued and then they died from COVID-19 <laughs> that they got from the rescue pilots. Wouldn't that be the worst? <laughs> You're like, it's like zero dark 30. <laughs> A helicopter crew from Hamas, Canberra, located the Mariners, checked for major injuries and delivered them food and water, the Australian Department of Defense said. Authorities said the men were in good condition. So they didn't rescue them initially. They just, because of COVID, they're like, like, here's some water. Here's some sanitary wipes. Here's some hand sanitizer. See you later. We'll be here in a month. We'll check on you in a month. We we, we can't pick you up until you've been marooned for 14 days. 14 days. You have to quarantine. And then we're going to throw a pack of swabs down and we got to process them for seven to nine days. We need you to do COVID test and then we'll get back to you. We're going to throw a bag of PPE and some swabs down. (laughs) The U.S. Coast Guard dropped them a radio and told them the FSS Independence was on its way. But, like, they should listen to, like, afternoon oldies jam on the radio. Yeah, I know. I guess it's so they can communicate if something's going on. Oh, that kind of radio, like a two-way radio. Yeah, right? Not that that would help because it's like, 
if something is going on, no one's coming to help you until the ship gets there anyways. Yeah, and the ship can only move so fast. Yeah, right? It's not like, hey, John has a heart he has a heart murmur. He's about to die. And they're like, well, sorry, we, we're trying to COVID protocol. Well, I think if there was an emergency, they would have evacuated someone. I'm, How is it not an emergency, man? They're marooned on an island. They're just kicking it. Now they got some beef jerky. They're like, you guys having a good time? Yeah, I mean, it's all right. Like, I mean, we're, st- we're still on the clock, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting over. Overtime, right? Can you wait to report us for another day when our maroon salary gets kicked in? I'm trying to pay off my boat. Not this boat. <laughs> All right. So on Monday, the crew of the Independence picked up the stranded mariners to take them back to their home on Palup Chuk. Captain Christopher Chase, commander of Coast Guard Sector Guam, said the rescue depended on cooperation. Through coordination with multiple response organizations, we were able to save three members of our community and bring them back home to their families. He said... I'm just amazed at how like many moving parts there are. You had mentioned it earlier. If you're, you know you're looking for three dudes. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have three seats in, in the uh, helicopter? And they're out of gas. Why don't you just drop them gas? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you, guys, you guys got here. You can get Yeah, home. literally just drop them gas. They have a boat. They can get the hell out of there. <laughs> it's just like too many taxpayer dollars has been spent. The government's like, we got use it or lose it money. <laughs> Well, also, it's like, well, we we don't have enough funds to actually rescue. Let's call Australia. Let's see where they're at financially. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you guys are tanking. Let's call the guys in in Guam. <laughs> yeah. No, wait, let's call in the Belizean Air Force. <laughs> let's let's see if Turkey can help us. <laughs> I think of that being marooned on an island, right? Yeah. And then a helicopter comes by, and then they just hover above you. And they kick out they, some of the water. They toss you down water and then they take off. It's like, what the fuck? What, dude? Yeah. We're so, like, you're just leaving us here? I guess, though, that's what happens at most of these rescues is like you see the helicopter and then it just leaves. Yeah. Because they, they, they can't, for whatever reason, pick you up. It's like a search, not a rescue helicopter. Oh, gotcha. Heaven forbid they have a search and rescue helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Have a rope you can uh, They throw always out. call it search and rescue. I never knew that they really needed to separate the two. <laughs> the and no, we're the search part of the they're the rescue yeah, part. Totally different pay grade. <laughs> All right, what do you think of this, Louie? I'm glad they got found and I'm glad we learned a little bit about the rescue process. Absolutely. Me too. I like it. That's it for today, folks. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out, you can do so by leaving a five-star review wherever you downloaded this podcast at. That's right. Five stars. That's a Cinco Starro. Yeah, absolutely. And where can the fine people see Louis Fox this week? On September 23rd, I bought a ticket to see a magic show at the Geffen Playhouse in L.A. Ooh, yeah. what's the magic show? Uh, it's a guy named Helder, foreign last name that okay. I can't pronounce. Uh, that was It was directed by Frank Marshall. Okay. If you're not doing anything and you want to come to my house and watch it, depending on how covid you seem, you may have to watch it through the window. Okay. He mails you like a box of stuff. This is like a legit show. Wow. That Did you get your box of stuff yet? I just got the shipping notification. That is in, in, in the mail. In what, the mail. What do you think is going to be in this box of things? Apparently inside the box, because it gave me rules. So the box is like, you can open the box, but don't open the box that says do not open the box. <laughs> don't open the box. the box that says do not open on it? Yeah, but okay. you can open the box. Uh, so... 
I don't know. You don't know what's inside the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? <laughs> and then I look over, and my wife doesn't have a head. And I'm like, "What? That's amazing! <laughs> Best trick ever! <laughs> Best hundred dollars I've ever spent!" <laughs> so if you want, if you want to. Uh, Cheap out on that. Uh, <laughs> hit me up. All you, right. You, you and Erica are welcome to come over. All right. Watch. Well, if we're not trying to escape into some other part of the country outside of the West Coast and get out of the smoke, then we will come over. Yeah. I mean, I had to and look watch up, your wife get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> I had to look up Frank Marshall. Like, was, was involved in E.T. Yeah. And, and he was indicted in one of the JFK assassinations. Yes. One <laughs> of them. <laughs> there were so many. <laughs> so working. <laughs> We're going to catch the um, Matt Baker comedy stunt show. I got a Zoom show on the 25th, and Dang. I don't know much about that particular show. So if you want to f- watch it, send me a message, and I'll send you the link code when I get it from the client. And other than that, not not a damn thing. I like how every show now is a public show. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> every, every show I, I've... I am hired to do for a private company. You are more than welcome to watch (laughs) on my behalf. It's like a guest list. Exactly. Right. It's like you go and you say, Hey, this is my buddy. He's here to watch the show. Yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And they can't say no. Yeah. In the moment. No. If you ask beforehand, they're like, no. Yeah. (laughs) He can watch. We're we're not going to feed him though. Exactly. Yeah. He can, he he can have the volunteer lunch. (laughs) So yeah, that's the 25th. And uh, other than that, just hanging out, dude. And so if you want to check us out, oddandoffbeat.com is our website. We post all the news stories. We have all the memes, all the information on Louie and I's shows. Yep. Also a way to support us on Patreon yep, on the, there. The Patreon is an amazing way to support us. Uh, we do enjoy your five-star hugs on your platform that you get this, but uh, Patreon helps us out a little bit Absolutely. in the uh, coin purse. And if you do like this and don't want to financially contribute, but you want more content, you can also check out Louie and I's other podcasts where we interview performers that perform at the largest variety arts festival in North America. And that's the moisturefestival.org or the moisture festival podcast. Yep. We are the official interviewers. Yes. And you can hear some pre COVID talk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and pretty fascinating conversations. They're all about an hour long and the, has a variety of different performers and backgrounds and stories on how the performers got to perform in this famous festival. Yes. So check that out. And you can do that on iTunes. And I, I believe it's on other It's things. on all the stuff. It's out there. Check it out. Moisture Festival podcast. But we want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You are awesome. You are great. You are handsome. You are beautiful. And most importantly, you are weird. Have a weird <laughs> week. We are out. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Odd and Offbeat podcast. Stay weird.